At this time, we'll have our second message, which will be a sermon from Mr. Lawrence Gregory entitled, Flawed Heroes. Mr. Gregory. When we were young, some of us, many years ago, <clears throat> a hero was a rare person that did something extraordinary, maybe even at risk of life. Somebody special held in high regard, like Audie Murphy, Nathan Hale, Patrick Henry, defenders of the Alamo, military veterans returning from war, and so forth. But it seems to be now that there are so many that are called heroes. Many may be deserved, maybe undeserved, but there seems to be so many that are set apart, young and old, as heroes. And we have such in the Bible. Great persons of meritous conduct having naughty questions about their character. Great on the one hand, but flawed heroes on the other hand. Men like Noah, identified by God as righteous, covenanted with, and yet became drunk. Abraham, father of the faithful, covenanted with God, did many wonderful acts and deeds in his life, yet twice identified as a liar, even causing his wife Sarah to lie, and enriching himself in those lies with cattle and sheep and camels, while doing good yet laid stress on others through his weakness and through his hardship. Isaac, his son, like Christ, a receiver most of his life of things from his father, from God, from others. Very seldom just an ordinary person extolling or, or doing extraordinary things and even copied his father's lie. The lie, remember, was that uh, technically Abraham's wife, Sarah, was his half-sister. He identified her as, her as his sister. And Isaac's wife was his cousin, but he identified her as his wife till they were found out, exposed. Even Isaac, perhaps the lie that led Rebekah into encouraged her to lie even more as she began to defraud and to try to pass that lie on to the um, son between Jacob and Esau in their squabbles. Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, father of 12 tribes, a prince. Yet God changed his name from Jacob, shyster, schemer, to a prince. Trusting God while trying to direct and work out his own determinations. Remember, even to the time of death, 
as Joseph brought his sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, before him to bless, Manasseh in his left hand to Joseph, to uh, father uh, Jacob's right, but as he crossed his hands, his determinate, either the will of God or his own determination to put the blessing on the younger. And even when Joseph tried to say, well, Father, uh, Manasseh is the senior, he's the elder, he's the one that should have the double portion, the greater blessing. And Father Jacob, with those cross crossed arms that are on our British flag, and there's a story behind that, but said, I know, Manasseh will be great, a great people. We, the people, the great United States of America, one of the greatest nations on earth recognized. But Ephraim, the younger, will be greater. This commonwealth, this British nation that has been greater than America for generations and centuries, great Ephraim. So whether it was of God or whether it was his own determination to put the major blessing on the younger, it came about. Joseph, another son, Christ-like, helpful, good, wise, yet also a schemer, lied, pretended he didn't know his brothers, set them up, accused them of uh, uh, stealing falsely, causing hurt, yet doing ultimate good while doing bad. David, noble, good, doing so many wonderful things in his life. The man is identified after God's own heart. Yet we see him a murderer, a schemer. And we could go on and on and on about most of our and many of our historical characters, like I mentioned, Patrick Henry and uh, Nathan Hale, and we could go to um, John Wycliffe, William Tyndale, on and on and on. Many, many straightforward men, and yet in their life, flawed. And this is troubling to many who wonder why. Well, first we've got to remember and recognize that God recognizes sin in everyone that has it and deals with it in some way or some manner. Like in Isaiah, the fifth chapter, verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And in Exodus, the 23rd chapter, we read Exodus 23, verse 7. Keep you far from a false matter, and the innocent and righteous slay you not, for I will not justify the wicked. And then in Genesis 20th chapter, verse 6, just balanced out amidst all of this concern that we have from God that he recognizes evil and holds accountable those that have sinned. And yet in chapter 20, verse 6, this is um, an incident where 
Abraham had uh, sojourned in Gerah, and he said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. The reason he said to, with Sarah, he said, when we go into Pharaoh and then later uh, duplicated again into southern uh, Judah area uh, before between there and Egypt, and he said, uh, out of fear, out of afraid, they'll kill me. Out of fear, they'll kill me. So tell them you're my sister. And uh, so God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you're but a dead man. For the woman which you've taken, she's a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, will you slay also a righteous nation? Said not he unto me, She is my sister. And she, even she herself said, He's my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore suffer I you not to touch her. And so God, in a dream, revealed to Abimelech this great principle here. I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. And so when we look at all of these men that we've mentioned before and many others that are laid out in the Bible that we see full of flaws, Peter, uh, others that we can identify. And yet they had at the same time an integrity of heart. They wanted to do good or they did good mixed up with some of the weakness. Now... In all this and today, brethren, I hope you understand as we are that I'm not putting down true heroes. And there are such. But we're left with the question is, why do we have such flawed heroes? Is there anyone that is perfect, good, righteous, that we can praise, that we can admire, that we can hold up as an example, that we can follow, even worship as an example of a flawless hero? Where is there? Romans, the third chapter, verse 10 tells us. Romans 3.10, we know this. It says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. There is none righteous, none good. In spite of that, we know that it's, it's okay. It's good to have heroes to admire, respect, uphold us, uphold them rather, in their goodness, but not to worship them and not to ignore their flaws. In life, in history, in the Bible, we have many heroes to follow to emulate, to stir us up, to aspire us to be and to do better. We recognize them, we appreciate them, we honor them while realizing they're flawed heroes and that there is only one, Jesus Christ alone, a true hero. A person of distinguished valor and fortitude, honored for exceptional service to God and mankind. Only one man who never made a mistake 
or sinned. He never had to say, I misspoke. I'm sorry. Forgive me. As a child, as a boy, as a man, he was never sick. Never hurt. Scriptures say not a bone of him was broken. And we talked about some of this at the Passover, at uh, our Bible study about Christ and the exceptional person that he was. Never hurt till the cross and when he bore unmentionable hurt and pain and suffering for you and I. Now, get my other note page up here. Isaiah 63, 3 and 5. Jesus said through Isaiah, referring to him, I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in my anger and trample them in my fury and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments and I will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is in my heart and the year my redeemed has come. And I looked and there was none to help and I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore my own arm brought salvation unto me and my fury it upheld. Now, Pilate, in John the 20th chapter, asked a number of questions, not really knowing perhaps what he asked, as Annas who asked, are you the Christ? And Christ answered that he was. And Pilate said, are you a king? And Jesus answered that he was. And he asked him, what is truth? And Jesus identified what is truth. And he saw Jesus Christ in those crown of thorns that was jammed on his head, and the old robes that they had put on him to mock him as a king. And when he looked at him, and he said, Behold the man. Not identifying him as a king, but as a man. And if ever, brethren, any of us can ever understand and appreciate all that that phrase, the man, encompasses, all the good qualities and the manhood and the things that Jesus Christ was, we talked about this a little bit in Bible study, and I'll share a little more from uh, what we discussed in our Bible study Tuesday night. But uh, one time I read a book, and it ended, the scene right at the end of the book ended just abruptly. And, and I was confused. I, I didn't know what was going on. How did it end? And I looked. Was there pages missing? Was there torn out? No. And I looked closely, and the story ended right at the end of partway down the page with a period and a complete sentence, as if the author kind of wanted me to puzzle out and to figure out, you know, the ending that suited me, I guess. And I'm still wondering and in a quandary of that, and I wonder, you know, why did I read that? I just wasted my time reading that whole book because I don't like to go and read the last. Some people like to read, they take a book and they like to read the last 
page to see how it turns out. Uh, but uh, you can check if you get a used book. Make sure all the pages are there. I've, I've bought books and the pages are missing. Uh, some of us have done that. But this one wasn't that way. It just ended abruptly. Not resolved. A, a puzzle. And uh, we have this in Revelation, the fifth chapter. We talked about this in Tuesday night Bible study. Uh, let's go to Revelation, the fifth chapter. And this was a scene there of the throne of the Father and the glorious throne and of Christ who is separate from that and uh, the book that was given and that was... Uh, well, here, reading in chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open this book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven. Now, I checked every translation that I had, and I checked the Greek, and it doesn't say in any of the other translations, no man. It says no one. No one. You can, you can do your own research here. So no one in heaven or in earth, that's any other creature, any other living being, any other angel, any other... Uh, and it, it would suppose you would say, if you said no man in heaven, well, there's men in heaven, but no one... No being, no person, individual, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look therein. And so you can understand the frustration and aggravation. Here's a puzzle, here's a book that wasn't opened, that was sealed. And he wanted to know what it said, and nobody could interpret it or explain it. Or revealed it or opened it. And, and he cried. He was so frustrated and aggravated. As any of us would be. Wanted to know what's in that. In those seals that no one could interpret it. And one of the elders said unto me. Weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has prevailed to open the book. And to loose the seven seals. And I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne. And of the four beasts. Four living creatures. And in the midst of the elders, the 24 elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven, eye, seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps, and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. And you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Have made men unto, or them unto our God, kings and priests, and they shall reign on the earth. Jesus Christ the book of Acts says that there is no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. And so in all of creation, only one being, Jesus Christ, was worthy to open that book and reveal those things that were written and this, that was sealed there. Only one, it tells us, who went into 
the Holy of Holies, one time by his own blood, sanctifying and dealing with sin, one time for us forever, that there would be peace in our life forever. Now I know that uh, in history and in life and experiences that uh, we like our heroes. In fact, it was this morning, uh, my wife didn't know what I was going to speak about today and didn't know the title, but uh, we have a couple of bird feeders in our backyard and many birds that come to get food and the water there. We have a bird bath that they take a bath in. She was laughing at that one bigger bird. Uh, she said, look, that bigger bird chased all the other birds off and uh, now he's by himself. I don't know how she knew it was him, but he was by himself. Uh, he's a hero. He thinks he's a hero. And uh, I just chuckled to myself because uh, those birds, you know, uh, they're, they're a lot of fun to watch, aren't they? And uh, try to figure out, you know, about all the things that are going on in their life as they flutter around and fly around. But uh, I'd like to read a quote from uh, T. Krosky in his, uh, from his commentary on the book of John. He said, the hero worshiper is often disappointed in the object of his adoration in whom he has discovered unsuspected flaws. But we, this is the end of quote, but we, not putting down any of those heroes, men of faith in the Bible that I've just mentioned and read, because we know the great good and the, and the many wonderful illustrations of example and character that they set for us. But the more we consider Jesus, the brighter grows his glory and the harmonies of his perfection. We, like them, we are like them, those of flawed heroic characters. We have a mixture of good and bad. So we, as realistic, conservative Christians, believe and understand them and are cautious as we select our heroes with care, with eyes open to their flaws as well as to their wholesomeness. went forward and there was a little sign that read blessed is he that gives a short message for he shall be invited back again <laughs> so song leader come forward